Welcome to The Truth CSGO Podcast, episode 38. Today we are talking about Tarek leaving Cloud9 and other roster madness. We're talking about the miners, the American miners, the CIS miners, the upcoming Asia and American miners. We're talking about ESL1 Cologne, and we're going to end with a listener question, whether or not CSGO is dying. Are we rushing in? So it's been a while in between ordinary episodes. I've been trotting out all the interviews from IEM Sydney and uh, some feedback from you guys suggested that perhaps it was time to take a break from the seemingly endless string of interviews and get back to a normal episode, get back to my roots, you know, back to the pastures, back to what what I'm famous for, what you know me for, what you love me for. Um <laughs> Self-aggrandizement, basically. Uh, look, here's here's the truth, guys. Here's the truth. IEM Sydney was full on. It became a job, as I've said before. Um, and just simply having to put out these interviews every time has become a bit tiring for me personally. And I lost sight, really, of what uh, why I started this podcast. I became a little down on it, you know. I wasn't actually totally sure why. Um, but my ego had completely gotten in the way. And you know what it was? I was spending a lot of my time and energy and emotions comparing my podcast to other people's podcasts. Now, we've got a whole lot of new CSGO podcasts that have come up since I started mine. Um, and I found myself looking at their numbers, you know, at their Twitter followers. I started caring how many people upvoted my content on Reddit just a bit too much. And uh, look, the reason I started this podcast in the first place was to talk about the game that I loved and to connect with other people who love the game. And, and also, you know, to do something completely different from my day job with absolutely no pressure at all to fail or succeed or to answer to anyone, which is actually why I've never given my real name out. I don't have anything to hide. I'm not well known in my profession. And if my name came out, it would mean nothing to everyone but my mum. Um, and I'm also not a journalist, right? You will not get any leaks from this podcast <laughs> uh, on purpose. Maybe I'll leak something by accident, but um, that is not my MO. I'm simply a guy talking about CS and life. So I'm very excited to be back here in this app doing what I love. And here we go. We've got a bunch of news and we're going to get into it. Tarek has left Cloud9. Tarek has left Cloud9. It is not confirmed yet that he's going to Made in Brazil, uh, but it's heavily rumoured. Although according to DK via Double Tap, Tarek has finalised a deal with them uh, via Immortals. So how that isn't being confirmed, I'm not quite sure, but perhaps it just means that their lawyers have written up a, a contract, the Immortals lawyers, Winston and his boys, and uh, sent it over. Tarek and his lawyer have gone, yep, we like this. We're happy with the changes that you allowed us to make. And that's as far as they've gotten right now. And no one's actually signed anything. Um, kind of fascinating to see this sort of slow motion, Chris Cunningham-esque uh, implosion post-major of poor old Cloud9. You've got a feel for Mr. Etienne there, the erstwhile uh, owner of Cloud9. It's interesting to think about why this might have happened. And it makes me think that victory can be as shattering to us as failure 
almost like climbing to the top sort of provides a mountain that you can then sort of fall down from. Um, and I wonder whether the victory that Cloud9 had at the major, uh, because it wasn't replicated immediately, uh, really separated the egos of some of the players. Like once you've got a big victory on the or trophy on the wall you can point at, it's very easy to then say, well, I was responsible for that if you have a big ego, right? Or you can look at the ways in which you were responsible for it and, and very easily forget the ways that your teammates might have either put you in the position where you could have done that or been responsible for their own parts of the success. So uh, it's a shame to see that this roster has just not gathered together at all. I mean, if Tarek goes to Made in Brazil, he will be reunited with Stewie 2K. But uh, that lightning in a bottle that was the major, I guess we'll never see again with that particular lineup. Cloud9 have in fact confirmed Sticko will stay with them on trial, at least for the near future. Uh, DK also says that we're going to see Golden going to Cloud9 for a loan, according to multiple sources close to the player and the org, which is very nice to see. I, I have a fondness for Golden. I don't know why. I like the guy. You know what? I don't think I've ever really liked Tarek or Stewie 2K. Obviously, this is purely based on seeing them in interviews and I guess a bit of streaming stuff that I've seen, um, but they just don't seem uh, appealing to me. And probably very nice guys, but uh, Stewie wouldn't let would an interview wouldn't do an interview with me at IEM Sydney, which of course this is absolute 100% right. Um, and he must have been exhausted as well, especially because SK at the time hadn't done too well and hadn't been doing too well. But um, he kind of had this smile as he was saying it, as he was just kind of blocking me. He's got that aura about him, doesn't he, that uh, he's sort of in on a joke that you're not. And Tarek, I haven't really seen anything from him that, um, I don't know, I wouldn't call it smug, but uh, what is it? Maybe he's just too cool for me. He seems like a really cool guy. Maybe he just seems like the kind of guy I just would have wanted to be friends with in high school and kind of wouldn't have been cool enough to be. Maybe I'm just jealous. <laughs> That's probably the case. Anyway, Golden is not uh, is not either of those players, has neither of those characteristics, which I so shallowly point out with really no in-depth knowledge of either of those two people. But uh, he does seem like a lovely guy. He obviously got a bit shafted from Fnatic despite winning IEM Katowice and WSG with them. Um, will this be a good thing for Cloud9? I have absolutely no idea. If he provides a good IGL for the remaining players, Automatic, Rush, and uh, Skadoodle, then fantastic. But it is weird to see that Cloud9 is suddenly now just another mixed team. And when you put that sort of a mixed team up against, like, let's say, the ultimate mixed team that we have right now in the scene phase it doesn't really seem to measure up does it speaking of one of my favorite topics uh phase the olaf meister is back in phase the daddy the boost meister the man the myth the legend he tweeted out his return two days ago and seems in very good spirits still no idea still no indication what kept him out of play for a bit obviously a personal reason um, you've probably heard some rumors, uh, but very exciting to have him back. 
I feel like maybe as well this gives them a little bit of that honeymoon juice, you know, a bit of that honeymoon juice for the uh, for the upcoming. What have we got? We've got um, E League Premier. We've got the um, is E League Premier. Oh, I'll get my I'll get my notes right at the end. Don't worry. Um, well, at least the major anyway in September. Not like they didn't do well while he was away, but. Uh, you know, there's something final formish about having Olaf back in the roster, isn't there? It's like you've you've got all the pieces of the Voltron. You know, you managed to you managed to nick the red lion from your mate next door, and you've finally assembled the full Voltron, and you've got the sword in his hand, and now you're ready to really uh, you know do some damage on the playground. Now, DK and Double Tap, who are basically my one news source for this podcast. ATM. He also reported that Cold Zero wasn't happy on MIBR and uh, has been having disagreements with Fallen about how the team should be practicing and stuff. He reported he wanted to that Cold Zero wanted to play one day somehow with Nico. Now, I guess this kind of made me think about what my interview with Cold Zero was like back at IEM Sydney. And um, if you've heard it, you know we talked a lot about his transformation. And, uh, you know, specifically his physical transformation. And it seems to me that perhaps this chubby kid who Fallen took under his wing and and brought into the team, I think, you know, really on his own personal sort of vouching and then transformed into this megastar, perhaps has just sort of grown a bit too big for the, um, you know, for the spare room at Fallen's house to use a a domestic um, euphemism there. Uh, seeing him play with Nico would, of course, be a lot of fun. But it is a it is a sad thing to contemplate this potential fur fallen and cold trio being broken up. I mean, it just boggles the mind, doesn't it? It's only like what six months ago? No, a bit longer than that. Maybe a year ago when that core and that team was just absolutely unbeatable, and I could not say good enough things about them on this potty. Which I think, by the way, means that this podcast is actually. A year old. I should have a birthday. Well, I'll check. Um, anyway, final news, I guess, uh, that um, <laughs> I could get from DK this week. Croman is, of course, now on the market. Croman was the stand-in for Olaf Meister on Phase, helped them win Bello Horizonte. So, he look, he put up a great showing on Phase, probably better than um, most of us who had no idea who the hell he was expected. Uh, according to DK, he's getting lots of offers. Uh, he had a lovely ace in Cologne, despite the fact that uh, FaZe did not win that particular event. Spoilers. So uh, good luck to him. Now, let's move on to the miners. So we are currently deep in the middle of the minor qualification process for the majors in September in London. And we've already had the American region miners. We are in the middle of the CIS region. And we have the Asia's, Asia Minor coming up in three days and the EU Minor in another seven. If you're not quite aware of how it all works, best you Google the flowchart to the London Major 2017 because it's quite complicated. But uh, basically, two teams from each of these regions go into a challenger pool. They face the bottom eight from Boston's Major. And then out of there comes eight teams who will face the carryover top eight teams from Boston for the final trophy. Now, the American Miners, two teams 
uh, have already been um, put through in that competition, and they were Complexity and Rogue, which was quite a surprising upset because NRG were clear faves in this particular uh, tournament, um, as well as now Tem Como, I think, you had a lot of eyeballs on them, the Brazilian team of FNX, KNG, and Phelps. Now, NRG were obviously faves because they've had a great showing at recent lands, um, and uh, I've, I've spoken about them on this podcast before as being the ones to watch. Bardolf, um, basically the genius of um, the CSGO scene, um, put out a lovely tweet afterwards saying that he hopes this doesn't mean any roster changes. And so do I, because these guys are really starting to cook. They're only really starting to just gel. It's a shame they didn't make the major, but uh, a team at their, at this, their stage, at their size, doesn't necessarily need the major to improve. At this point, I feel like uh, the more smaller tournaments they can win, the more they can build on their confidence, rather than just kind of getting knocked back by the likes of Astralis and FaZe at this point. Just keep that snowball rolling. I think that's probably uh, the best bet for that particular team. As for now, Tem Como, uh, I have no idea. Uh, You know, do FNX and KNG have any sort of passion for the game whatsoever at all? I'm not sure. Uh, Complexity, I don't know much about, although it is obviously Stanislaw's chance to prove himself once more. Rogue, I guess the same goes for Hiko who is on that particular team. Hiko, if you are not aware, is a North American player who was once in the grand finals of a major with Team Liquid, has been somewhat absent over the last year or two. Despite being quite a lauded North American player in his day, so wonderful to see him back under the spotlight. Now, the CIS minor, as I said, is currently underway, although Hellraisers are in the lead and looking pretty good to at least take one of the spots there. The Asia Minor, uh, which is coming up in three days, as I said, the favourites for that one are Renegades and Tai Lu. Um, although worth noting, and I didn't notice this on the, the last podcast, or any of the last podcast, in fact, that Tainted Minds, the Australian team, Tainted Minds qualified back in May. Could there be a possible upset from Tainted Minds? We will see. There is a team in this minors called Unique Stars. I think this is worth pointing out. Unique Stars, it is one word. I assumed it was some sort of bad, um, well, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know what I assumed. But this team is actually from Israel. Uh, and it seems like the Middle East is part of the Asia minor um, for this particular <laughs> geographical reallocation um, and the games of note for unique stars on HLTV last year were basically when they were beaten soundly by MVP PK and Chiefs so look they've, they've beaten two teams to get to this point perhaps not as difficult a run as some of the teams that are in the America minor or the EU minor but uh, it'll be fun to see an Israeli team in the mofo in Minor. So we've got to keep an eye out for unique stars. One word that is bold. Uh, now, the EU minor kicking off in seven days. This is going to be the one to really get your teeth into. It features teams such as Kingwin, obviously hel- uh, helmed by Taz. Left Out, who are the French free agents, including um, my boy Keo. NIP, who um, absolutely got run over like a steamroller in um, 
ESO One Cologne. We've got Optic, who seem to have dropped off the map completely. And of course, a new kid on the block, Ents, featuring this podcast's favorite Finn. Alu, aka Donnie Wahlberg, who incidentally was also in New Kids on the Block. So how's that for a circular reference? Alu will, of course, be fresh off the back of his disgusting, dirty, smelly blue cheese of an ace on Dust 2 against uh, Astralis, I think it was. Uh, anyway, the favourites for this is very difficult to put a finger on. I would say left out have a good chance, although they haven't been playing together that long. They're obviously all very familiar with each other. They've got some of the biggest hitters still. They've got Scream, Keo, as I mentioned. Uh, look, can NIP pull something out of their hat? I don't know. They've got the new lineup not looking so great. Optic, of course, still have a lot of promise. They've got players like KJB, like Config. They haven't done anything with them yet. Maybe there's something a bit rotten in that particular Denmark. Um, but you know me. You know me, guys. I've got my two dollars, my two dos on um, on old mate Donny, the Donny Dub, Donny Dubs of Finland. All right, let's move on to um, where are we? ESL One Cologne. So last step, we went right up to the semis, and it was a very fun tournament from that point on. If you recall, big. Uh, aka the Berlin International Gaming Team. The team ranked, I think, around the 25th or 30th on the HLTV ranking. So definitely the lowest or one of the lowest teams, probably the lowest actually at this tournament, who were basically invited to the event only as local colour, beat Renegades, then Made in Brazil, then G2 on their way to the semis. And in the semis, they faced off against FaZe and beat them 2-1 through a combination of absolutely great team play and some real sloppy, sloppy Joe stuff from FaZe. Now, Australis, who were the faves, were taken down in the semis by the Iron Duo. Iron? Iron Duo, that is electronic and simple. Although I should mention Zeus dropped 31 kills in the third map on Inferno. 31 bomb from Zeus in reg. So who knows what the hell is going on in that team. But what it meant was that the grand final was Na'Vi versus Big, which despite the fact that the stream happening on Facebook was a pain in my uh, butthole. uh, Because basically if you, I don't know if you noticed this, but if you Googled ESL1 Cologne live stream, the first result was the page for Belo Horizonte. So it was a bit of a disaster in terms of accessibility. Anyway, the great thing was it was in on the big stage at Cologne. Apparently it was full, 15,000 people with a German team, a lot of fun. But it very quickly became an, a very unmatched, uh, outmatched series. I was watching it with a friend of mine who has actually never watched a competitive game of Counter-Strike and she was into it very hard, very emotionally, <laughs> and very quickly going for the underdog of big... Um, but as I said, they were they were cleanly outmatched. They did take one map from Navi, which was Dust Two, thanks especially to some absolutely balling plays from Nex. But uh, Navi's sticks were just a bit too pointy, um, and what I mean by that is, is the players were just a bit too good. You know, Big had a very tight setup, but the players were a bit too sharp and could sort of puncture that setup uh, all over the maps. Um, 
I think Na'Vi playing the way they are with electronic, seeming to sort of get some comfort levels now in his play. Seemingly be comf- be, he seemed like he's comfortable with his positioning, you know? It seemed like when he had all that hype, it was transferred to Na'Vi, just didn't seem like he was sort of... It was like a square peg in a round hole bit, but he's he's got his he's got his he's got his positions now, and Flamey stepping up too. I actually could see Zeus taking another major with this team, and one thing to note, which I think is absolutely no coincidence whatsoever, these guys were the oldest lineup in the tournament. Right? Isn't that crazy? They were the oldest lineup in this tournament. How many teams were there? Sixteen? Ten? Eight? I actually have no idea. I should do my research more. Um, for you guys, but you can look it up if you like. Anyway, there were lots of them uh, and they won it. So I don't think this is a coincidence at all because real satisfaction in teams and, of course, guys, you know it, relationships only come when we experience failure, when we work out ways to improve as a team and then do so. That's when we actually become proper supportive teammates. And you know what? It reminds me of a... um, an old dude I used to work in a coffee shop in Brooklyn and and I was in love, really in love. I was head over heels and uh, at the time and, um, and, and I'd just gotten engaged actually and this old man used to come in and go, well, he, the first time he came in, he said to me, why, why are you smiling so much? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Why are you happy? I got engaged. Uh-huh. How long you known her? I was like, oh, I don't know. I've known her for, for maybe six years. We've been dating for, for you know, a year, two. And, and he goes, well, how many fights have you had? And I said, well, we haven't really had any fights. That's why it's so good. Well, that's a bad sign. <coughs> I shouldn't do that voice. It fucks up my throat. Um, and I was like, what do you mean it's a bad sign? He's like, well... Until you have a fight, you actually don't know how good you are as a couple, right? And some people say, well, you should travel uh, or you should buy a dog or you should buy a plant or you should buy a house together. (coughs) But actually, all of those things are simply just invitations to have a fight, right? To have a disagreement, to have a disagreement on what sort of house you want or what color the drape should be, right? Or what sort of dog you're going to get or who's going to walk it or who's going to feed it or... uh, you know, when you're underslept and overstressed and in a foreign country and can't speak the language, someone's going to have a fight about something, what sort of food you're going to eat or, you know, what you're going to do that day, right? If you don't have a fight, you don't know how good you are at solving the problems. And it's not until you get past the fight, successfully solve a problem, (coughs) that you are actually glued together as a team. So to put a a very unfine point on it, it is no wonder that Na'Vi are doing so well right now pardon me they've had a very slumpy season for quite a while they had a very slumpy season for quite a while after the addition of electronic um they had a lot of promise after the addition of zeus nothing really happened that uh would have suggested that this was a man who'd taken another team to the major but they seem to have repaired some of these problems obviously had some fights and uh yeah i think they're definitely one of the teams that uh, you have to beat. All of which is a roundabout way of saying, if you're thinking about getting married or moving in with your your girl for your boyf and you haven't had a fight yet, start a fight. Just start one. Doesn't matter over what it's about. <laughs> just 
just get arguing and then see how you work it out. No, I'm, I'm being facetious here. But I think you take my point. Uh, anyway, let's move on from ESL One Cologne to a question from a listener. So I got a little message on the Twitters from longtime listener Gabriel G, aka Gaby G, aka Senior G himself, who asked that even with the death of gambling, can CSGO as a game and a community be saved and brought back to its 2015-2016 player numbers? In short, he writes, how can Valve save CSGO? That's a good question. It's a question that uh, we've heard a lot of discussion about, right? If you visit any of the forums, there's people going back and forth, uh, trying to bait other people into um, responding in some sort of outrage. Uh, But I guess I would ask you, Gabriel, save it from what? Exactly. Uh, The question is quite indistinct because you can still play CSGO, right? And you will still be able to play it for the foreseeable future. Um, Valve are still releasing missions occasionally, which gives you new content. Uh, there's always new people to play and new formations to play. Um, soccer hasn't died for lack of updates, right? Uh, and as you pointed out, they've they've just released a graphical update for the UI. So, you know, there's people working on the game. But I would say, I would say that personally, trust and the trust factor has made a huge difference to the way I play Counter-Strike. And I would have said to you um, maybe six months ago even, um, I think the only thing that could have saved it for me was getting rid of the assholes. And I, and I had no idea how they could possibly have gone about doing that. Um, and I don't think they've been uh, transparent with how the trust factor works, which I think is probably part of how it works. Uh, and I'm fine with that because... Basically, every game I play is with dead set legends who I legitimately want as groomsmen at my wedding. Last night, there was one guy, I have to say, who was an exception, who kept spanning chat with um, Hitler was right. Uh, but he is definitely the exception. I mean, that's one in in, in maybe two weeks of, of playing. And uh, previously, it was basically every night. If you, if you started this podcast with me from the beginning, you will know that there was a segment, um, probably my most popular segment, if I if I say so myself, called Toxic Player of the Week. And it was very hard sometimes uh, to work out who, who to choose, in fact, because there was such a, a deep and um, bristling pool of uh, candidates, possible candidates. So, look, I think actually they've saved CSGO for people like me who were getting absolutely fed up with being abused by... Um, morons uh, on a nightly basis just that I had and I had to having to put up with that too um, to play the game I wanted to play so I think that's a very good step in the right direction Um, but to be a little more understanding perhaps a little more forgiving for the g-dog where the g-bone's coming from uh, let's look at the numbers I think that's what you're probably referring to so I mean, you did mention it outright, but uh, let's just let's just clarify for the listeners. Uh, Counter Strike peaked in December two thousand and fifteen when there were eight hundred twenty three thousand people playing concurrently on the Steam server, and that was the height of skins fever, and people were going crazy 
trying to gamble skins, right? And the average peak in the last few months seems to be around 420,000. But I would point out, Gabriel, it's very easy to just look at the last three months and go, oh, it's obvious, you know, it's half of what its peak was. It's obviously dying. However, January this year was 715,000, which I believe not only coincided with the major, but also um, a bit of content update, perhaps. Um, and before that, look, the January the year before it was also up in the 700,000. So it looks like it's more going in waves as opposed to simply just in a slow decline. And to be honest with you, I assume your worry really is that the tournaments that we so enjoy uh, following and the pro scene we so enjoy following loses eyeballs because the amount of players aren't quite there. Uh, and because of that, the pro scene then loses money and the esport dies. Well, I would say to you, Gabriel, if this, is, if this is actually how you are formulating this idea or the people you've heard arguing this position that CSGO is dying, I would say look at the numbers in July 2012 when Counter-Strike actually was launched onto the Steam platform. And in that particular month, there were 1,642. So 1,642 to 420,000 is a definite massive growth. Uh, so if you look at 2012 still... And let's look at one of the tournaments. Let's look at the biggest tournament that year, which was the IEM6 World Championship. That was won by a team called ESC. And that was uh, Pasha, Cuban, Lord, Neo, and Taz. And those guys won 50 grand, $50,000. And their entire winnings for that year, however, before you get too excited with um, how much you think they might possibly have made, it was $54,000. The team that made the most money that year was NIP. They also took the most titles, and they won $61,500. If you compare that to the major winners this year, who won $500,000, that's a pretty big difference. Now, there is a valid point in there and a very valid question as to whether or not these the money that is in esports, and specifically Counter-Strike, will last because there's been a lot of speculation about, pardon me, about venture capital coming in and inflating numbers and people like Noah Winston being able to sell, let's say, slightly less, um, how do you say it? Slightly less on the ball, perhaps, uh, investors from Wall Street, from hedge funds, that esports is the growth industry. Esports is not going to stop growing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to grow exponentially and the returns on, these, on this huge amount of money that people are splashing around are going to be exponential over at least the next three to five years. <clears throat> Whether that's going to happen, I have absolutely no idea. But I would say to you one thing, Gabriel. It took, it took Counter-Strike, at least Counter-Strike Go, six years to multiply from one $50,000 tournament, and that being the max, to, like I said, one $500,000 tournament. Um, we've already had WSG, which was, what, <clears throat> $1 million, I think, from memory, no, 1.2. I think from memory, Fnatic took 850 grand home. Either way, tons and tons of tournaments in, in the year that add to that pool. It took them six years to build up to that. Now, having exposed itself to an audience far greater than was even aware of it in 2012, it's going to take a lot longer for the game to fade than it took to grow. Right, Because if I stop playing Counter-Strike, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm not going to watch Counter-Strike. <clears throat> because during the time I've been playing Counter-Strike, let's say it's only since the skins update or the, since you know the skins fever of 2015. Let's say I've been playing it that long, but I decide now I'm going to quit. Chances are during that time, 
I've gotten invested in the pro scene, right? Because at some point you do because you want to get better. And that's one way you improve by watching the pro matches. I can still quite happily be involved in the pro scene and not play Counter-Strike. In fact, that's probably what's going to happen in the next few months. And I know I'm not alone in this. You see comments all the time on Reddit sections saying, hey, look, uh, I don't play anymore actually at all. Um, but I love the pro scene still and I follow, you know, da 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 team. So for Mr. G, the G-banger, I would say don't freak out about it dying. It's not dying anytime soon. And if it dies, it's going to take a lot longer to die than it took to grow. So just finally, before we wrap this up, a shout out to a Twitter user called Miniature Panda, who reached out to say, I quote, found your podcast today and just want to say thank you so much. So much insight we wouldn't be able to get without you. Uh, so that's the nicest thing anybody said to me perhaps all my life. Uh, very lovely. Feel free to tell me these things on a, on a basis daily. Anybody who's listening, they're really great. Uh, Miniature Panda is a YouTube live streamer. So check her out, guys, if you want to follow someone with obviously impeccably good taste. Now, as for upcoming episodes, the gambling episode is done. It's edited. It's ready to bloody pop. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to release it. Perhaps next uh, although I feel like I should get the NRG boys out this weekend. So basically, I've got interviews with a few of the NRG boys now that they're out of the American miners. Fingers crossed nothing happens to the lineup, but it's possible it might. So best to get these out now, perhaps. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you about the interviews I've got left. And if you want to hear anyone in particular, ask me, send me a message, send me a tweet. You can tweet me uh, at the truth CSGO or the truth at the truth CSGO.com. Uh, you can email me and let me know who you want to hear because if I don't get all of these out, well, if I don't, like I may not get all of these out. I may just sort of, it may just get too late. <laughs> it may get too late in the game. I'm going to be releasing these interviews till I am Sydney 2019 um, and we'll do a, a sort of a, how far have you come, uh, Nifty? Anyway, so here are, the, here are the interviews I do have left in the um, in the pipeline. Nifty, you still owe. Tommy, Tommy's from Boot DS. Bolts, Fur, Dead, Jack, the manager of um, Tyloo, Excurate, Flusher. I should have released the Flusher one by now, surely. Body, Body's a great interview. Ethan from NRG, obviously. Alistair, Hats, basically the whole team of Chiefs. Malta, and our man, <laughs> Dick Stacy. Now let me know if there's someone you really want to hear, and I will in, uh, I will release them ASAP. <clears throat> in the meantime, that's all from me. Enjoy the game and enjoy the CIS Minus and the upcoming European and Asian CS Minus. Cheers.